Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Uh, exciting because I believe God's got something for me to share with you and terrifying because I've been working on this thing for a year and a half. So I'm hoping that it actually goes well <laughs> and that you actually get something out of it. Um, it's been on my heart for a long time and the reason it's taken me a year and a half to, to do this is because... Um, I didn't want to do it half-hearted and I just kept modifying it and changing it and modifying it and changing it and I'm hoping that you understand where I'm coming from with this thing. This thing buzzing is a bit, is it? Uh, just play around with that. Okay. Um, also, I just want to say with it too that um, I don't have all the answers with this message. Um, I struggle with a lot of the things I'm going to be asking you guys to think about let alone, um, you know, saying that I'm up here, you know, lording it over you, saying this is what you should be doing, nothing like that. It's a, it's a struggle for me every day. Um, the title of my, of my message is Fighters and Friends. And um, basically we're going to be talking about the, the whole concept of suffering. And uh, I want us to, to learn how to be fighters and friends in our suffering. Uh, so section one is on fighters and section two is on friends. So we'll start off with the fighters. Um, often... In, I've been in church all my life and I've heard so many you know, sermons and good talks and everything like that on, on how people have had victory over suffering, you know, healings have occurred, marriages are saved, circumstances have changed. Um, or the one that we very hear, hear quite often is God has changed people's views on the suffering they're going through and it, it uh, gives them victory just by having their, their worldview changed rather than anything else. Um, but... The one I never really hear is what do you do when you're in the middle of it? And, uh, you know, what's it like when you haven't found your victory? When you've got no strength left, you feel like you're too broken for God to use, things are getting too much, your circumstances never seem to change, you didn't become the person you thought you would be, your life didn't turn out how you thought it would, the pain is too much, you think you've failed as a Christian, you think you've let down the church. You've let down your family or friends or even yourself. Bit of a depressing start, isn't it? Well, hopefully we can have a bit of good stuff at the end that'll pick that all up again. Well, what do we do in times like these? Where do we get our strength from and who or what do we put our hope in when we're in the middle of that? How do we keep going when every time you seem to pick yourself up, something kicks you down again? Uh, well, I don't, as I said, I don't have all the answers and I don't think anyone has, but maybe together we can hear a bit of what God has to say in those circumstances and how we can get over them. Um, one of the things that I've found in life about a lot of circumstances is that just understanding a sort of the big picture or the worldview of what's going on around us actually helps us even deal with the situation we're in. Because quite often we're so blinded by the situation that, that's coming in on us that um, it, it just makes us sort of crumble under it. Whereas once we see a bit more of a worldview and an outside view outside of ourselves, that helps us. So let's look at that. We're going to start off by um, reading all of chapter 12 of Hebrews. So here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, 
You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. You have completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everybody undergoes some sort of discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. We'll come back to those uh, verses as we go through. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, I used to be in the army and I'm doubly blessed to have one of my old army buddies here, Phil, with me and his wife, Inga. And um, yeah, it's really good to have him here. Um, I was a peacetime soldier. There were no wars on when I was in. Um, but uh, one of the training bases we went to was Canungra in Queensland, Land Warfare Centre up there. And on the first morning of Canungra, they wake you up about 4am and get, you get loaded up with all your gear and you have to walk up Heartbreak Hill to get breakfast. Uh, this is not negotiable. Even if you don't want breakfast, you still have to walk up Heartbreak Hill. And um, now, when I say all your kit, to give you an idea, your backpack and your webbing, which is all your ammo pouches and everything like that, weighs between 25 and 35 kilos. Your rifle can weigh 5 kilos, and if you're lugging the machine gun, as Phil used to do a lot, you've got another 11 kilos on top of that. A lot of gear. To give you an idea of the, the difference, most bushwalking packs when you load it up are about 15 kilos. So we're loading, loaded up with more than twice as much as an average bushwalking pack with our gear. Now, the day before they wake you up at 4am, they put you through an obstacle course. And during the course, I had been as close as I've ever come to being knocked out. What happened is you're climbing a tower and you're helping each other up. And um, the machine gunner who was struggling, and it wasn't Phil, it was another guy at this time with a machine gun, he was passing it up to me so I could help him up with it. And I grabbed the gun, and because it's so heavy, I heaved it up, and I didn't realise that the platform was lower than my height. And so my head hit the platform as the gun caught me under the chin, so it smacked together both at once. And that's the closest I've ever come to being knocked out. And I was you know, seeing stars and everything like that. Now, when I wake up the next day to climb Heartbreak Hill, I had a migraine. And the last thing I felt like doing was climbing a hill with a migraine. And unfortunately, I couldn't get out of this because we're not allowed to have migraines in the army. And I developed them after I'd gotten in. And I wanted to stay in, so I just didn't tell anyone. So if I had a migraine, I just had to deal with it. If you've never had a migraine, I can tell you, think of the worst headache you've ever had, times it by 10, and then feel sick to your stomach and weak all over. That's a migraine. Now... So we started up the hill, and um, my section, which if you see what see lots of American movies, it's like a squad of 10 men. My section was in the front, and we were, well, there was 100 of us climbing this hill. And um, pretty much we started up the first hill, 
and it goes up this little hill and then it goes up the big heartbreak hill. We got to the top of the first hill. By the time I get there, I was feeling so sick, I'd actually dropped back about 50 people through the pack. And they got us to the top of that hill and reformed us up. So I had to walk past about 50 guys to get to the front again. Now, that was embarrassing. Now, one of the things to do with suffering is that we all have our own unique circumstances. Um, and quite often we don't know what's going on in everyone's heads. Everyone's suffering is different. We can sympathise with people, but we can't always empathise with them. Um, to give you an idea, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy means you have you know, feelings for a person, you, know, you feel sorry for them. Empathy means you understand what they're going through. And if you've never had a migraine, you can't understand what I was going through. If you've never had to climb a hill with 40 kilos on your back, you've never know what I was going through. But so even though people might be going through something that you've been through, you don't know the background of what came before that or how they're feeling or what's going on in their life. So even though you might have sympathy for someone going through a crisis, you can't actually empathise with them all the time because their life is completely different to yours. Now, Jesus is, is different. Jesus can sympathise and empathise. One, because he's probably gone through more than any of us ever will in our lives. But not only that, his spirit lives inside us and experiences everything we do as well. So Jesus is someone that can, can sympathise and empathise with us. Um, St. Augustine said, God, excuse me, my eye's watering. It's not because I'm sad. It's just <laughs> one of those things. St. Augustine said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. So back to the story. Well, we got to the top of the first part of Heartbreak Hill, reformed us up, and as I said, I had to march back through 50 guys to get up to the front again. Now, it's really embarrassing when you fail at something or when you are failing at something, but it's doubly hard when you're failing to do something when you're a leader. Um, I was a, a lance corporal, which was mean I was second in charge of my section, and you know, it's, like I say, it's bad enough to have failed climbing the hill when it's just another hill for us soldiers. But to fail when I'm supposed to be leading the other guys up the hill, it was doubly bad for me. And to do something when you're a leader like that, when you're failing like that, it's potentially career-ending uh, and highly embarrassing. So, you know, I'm supposed to lead here, I'm failing. So just another little side issue of how suffering can affect you. Anyway, we set off again up the main part of the hill. And once again, because of the migraine, I started dropping back and dropping back through the pack. And in no time at all, I was you know, right back. But another fellow in my section was also dropping back as well. His name was Alan. And he collapsed on the ground. And I started to do the usual first aid things, make sure he was breathing, that he you know, wasn't cut anywhere, and got his pack off him so he could breathe easy and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, I can get out of this. I can look after Alan. I don't have to climb the hill. This is really good. I can get out of this. This is my way out. I don't have to go up. But unfortunately, the three sergeants were at the back of the pack. And they got up to me and they go, OK, Corporal Gwyn, you can go now. We'll look after him. <laughs> I'm just thinking, uh, I had a hope of a way out and my hope has been dashed. It was a false hope. It's very soul-crushing when you get that false hope. You think, I'm, I'm finally out of this suffering. And then you just have to continue on in it. And did I want to climb the hill? No, I didn't. But did I have to? Yes. It was, it was my job. I had no choice. I'm sure many people can relate to that. There's, there's times in life when we just have to keep doing the thing we're doing no matter what we're going through. You know, mothers 
they're sick they've got to keep looking after the kids and dads as well if they're you know home with the kids and stuff like that sometimes you just can't get out of things well that was the last thing I wanted to hear that I had to climb the hill so off went plodding up the hill again and now I was at the very back of a hundred people soldiers in my section were up the front we were pretty spread out at this stage and for all I knew my section was half a kilometre ahead of me up this hill so I started plodding away just taking the next step and the next step and the next step I reckon if I'd have thought about the whole thing I probably would have collapsed but I just decided to just think about the next step and I'm sure at the time I was throwing lots of prayers up to God saying help me, I need to get through this, help me help me, that's about all I could say was just help me one of the things unique to Heartbreak Hill is it's got about 10 false horizons so you go up and you think oh look there's the top but what you can't see from down here is it goes like that and then it goes up again and you get there and you think oh there's the top and you get it there and it goes up again does that about 10 times that's why it's called Heartbreak Hill you think I'm at the top and you're not you think I'm at the top and you're not so up and down up and down uh, so it was just like a, a bad TV commercial but wait there's more you know, <laughs> free set of steak knives. But so constant disappointment is another thing that sometimes people suffer with. Every time you think the suffering's about to end and it doesn't. Well, Romans five five says this. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance character and character hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. So suffering produces perseverance and endurance. How does that work? Um, one of the things I heard once, um, I, I actually started off in the reserves and then went to the regular army. And my corporal who was training me in the regular army, because I had to actually go back and start training all again for the regular army, even though I, I knew what was going on. And so the corporal knew this and we got to be buddy-buddy and we used to just chat about several things going on. And you get guys who'd been on patrol and digging and getting about four hours sleep a night. And after three days, they were just saying, I can't go on, I can't go on. And he said something very profound to me. He said, these guys don't know how far they can push themselves. And that was very true. Because another three days later, they were still going, doing the same thing, four hours sleep a night, just keeping on going, patrolling, digging, carrying on. So suffering produces endurance and the one hope that we've got is obviously in Jesus and his hope will not disappoint us well after a number of these disappointments I noticed that I'd actually been passing a few of the other sections climbing the hill and even the headquarters group I passed them I thought oh phew, I sort of at least I redeemed myself a bit passing the lieutenants and the officers you know the the majors and all that sort of stuff and then as I was plodding away I came to this flat spot and the hill and it actually the hill goes up and up and up and then it goes along a bit and then up some more I got to this flat spot and um, um, one of the things I've always been able to do and I don't mean to boast on this it's just one of the things my body was probably just very good at was no matter how stuffed I was even with a pack I could jog on a flat not up a hill but on the flat I could so I just started jogging now jogging with 40 kilos on your back doesn't look pretty but I was just sort of shuffling along, shuffling along, jogging along. And then I got to another hill. And I thought, oh, here we go again. Started plodding up the hill. But one of the things that I find amazing is that 
that many other people are like that as well. I'm sure you've seen plenty of other Christians in this church and other people you know that no matter what they're going through, they've had times of great victory even in the midst of their suffering. And that's an important point. I like to say, you know, endurance comes from God and you can just keep going on and going on. Um, one of the reasons is obviously our strength for God and Isaiah 40 says it really well. It says this, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. Now if you notice there, it says it's those whose hope is in the Lord. It's not those who work hard for him, not those who tithe lots, not those who do good deeds or attend all the church meetings. It's those who put their hope in him. So the same as I was slugging up the hill, that's all I could say was, help me, God. I was putting my hope in God to just get me through. You rely on him for your strength, for your struggles and deliverance from those struggles in time. Well, anyway, I looked up for this last bit of hill and this thing looked about 45 degrees, like about that. You know, almost struggled just on hands and knees almost to get up it. But as I looked up, I saw my section commander just up about 30 metres from me and he was at the top of the hill. Now, I didn't go, yay, I'm at the top. No, I was sort of more like, woohoo, just get me up there. <laughs> you know, so I struggled up this last 30 metres, got to the section commander and he said to me, I thought we'd lost you. And to my surprise, got to the top of the hill and there was no one else up there but my section. I'd managed to pass the whole company and just my section was at the top of the hill. And I was confused. You know, how did I pass everybody? And um, when I look back, I'm sure that God was the only thing that got me through that. Well, he brought me over and said, got some breakfast for you and here we've got a, a log for you to sit on and everything like that. And so I just started to chow down and it reminded me very much of what it's going to be like. Our life here on earth might be just a struggle, but one thing we can look forward to is our reward in heaven when God welcomes us in. He says, here, come and have a seat at the table. Um, yeah, thanks. Well, one thing, just looking back at Hebrews 12 again, the, the first couple of verses, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, when it says in Hebrews 12, I looked up a lot of uh, references on this, and they quite often talked about, um, you, know, these guys, we, 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 you know, these guys were witnesses to the, the great deeds in the past and stuff like that. But it didn't sit right with me. And uh, even though that's what pretty much most of the references talked about, I was thinking on, a, on the bigger picture scale, and I spoke to the, uh, about this on communion a few months ago, where it said that God lives outside of time. And um, when, when we see what goes on on this earth, uh, God doesn't see the end coming up in the future. He sees the whole picture all at once. And I'm sure all of heaven does as well because heaven is outside time as well. So we don't just witness what those guys do, but they're witnessing our lives and what we're doing. 
So, you know, all the, the Davids and the Sauls and the, the Samuels and Elijahs and all those guys, they're standing up there going, come on, guys, you can do it. You can keep going. They're witnesses to our lives. Colossians 2.15 says this. It says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them for all eternity, triumphing over them by the cross. That public spectacle that God made of Satan is your life and your life and your life. That's the public spectacle going on through eternity for everyone to see, is your life being victory over what Satan did through Jesus. So those guys are up there watching us now, cheering us along. And we are also defined by our suffering. The, the great cloud of witnesses that it does talk about in Hebrews 11 are those who stuck it out. They didn't quit. They pushed through the hard times. Well, do we want to be seen as the one who chucked it all in when it got too hard? Or would we rather be known for the one who pushed through, remained steadfast, became the peacemaker, and gave glory to God by your actions? You know, just think of Paul, everything that he went through. Would you want Paul's life? He was beaten, stoned, chased out of towns, shipwrecked, jailed, constantly put under you know, threat of his life the whole time. And yet look at the, 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 what his life has done for us. You know, the gospel, the, not the gospels, the, the books of the Bible that he wrote, the people that he saved, you know, the, the lives that he changed. Uh, you know, let's, let's not look at our suffering as something that we just have to endure for the sake of getting through it. Our suffering can be part of what God's picture is painting for our lives. It, I don't know if um, you've ever seen the, the, the movie Bruce Almighty. God gives his power to Jim Carrey, who's Bruce. And uh, Jim has to make a lot of decisions about what he's going to do with all the things and, and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, one of the things that God says in the end was, because uh, he's, you know, Jim's, uh, Bruce is asking, you know, why is it all the suffering and all that sort of stuff? And um, he says, if you want to make a beautiful painting, sometimes you have to use dark colors. And that's what God is doing. He's, he's got this beautiful painting that he's making that's of our lives, but sometimes he's got to use the dark colors to make the painting really beautiful. So most of us are going to live in the tension of begging for an end to our suffering and believing that it will end, but not necessarily seeing it. Um, Adam Hamilton, who's a pastor and author, has said, Those who are believers in God find strength from their faith. In the face of suffering, they are compelled to give sacrificially to help those in need, and they have the hope that comes from knowing that with God on their side, the tragedy they are facing is not the final word. We know there's an end to our suffering. And we have an incredible reward to look forward to in heaven. Another guy, Brendan Manning, who's an author, who's also had his share of suffering, said, Suffering, failure, loneliness, sorrow, discouragement, and death will be part of your journey. But the kingdom of God will conquer all these horrors. No evil can resist grace forever. So let's stand firm. Put our hope in God. See the bigger picture. This life that we're living now is only the first chapter. Our life should be seen as part of Christ's work in reweaving the fabric of earth so that more might come to know him. So let's take the next step and the next step and the next step, no matter what we're going through. As um, the final verse in Hebrews 12 said, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed. And that's my prayer for you guys, that you guys learn to be fighters 
that you learn to know that your endurance is you can endure much more than you think you can and see the bigger picture of of what god has for your life well that's the end of part one fighters but don't worry part two is very quick friends fighters and friends section two what do you do when you see someone else suffering don't avoid them what's a little suffering for us by helping them through it nothing compared to probably what they're going through so yes pray for them but more importantly be with them support them physically and emotionally in their suffering share in their suffering and stand by them the Jews have this thing called sitting in Shiva and when they're mourning a loss um, people know that they're invited to the house where the guys uh, the people are mourning and they just come and sit with them and be with them they don't say anything the only time you're allowed to speak when you're sitting Shiva is when the person who's mourning speaks to you and you only talk about the things that they want to speak about if you know the story of Job um, they actually did that to start with they, um, they saw his great suffering if you don't know the story of Job his family got killed he lost all his wealth um, lost his health he ended up with sores all over his boils he had nothing left uh, not even his health and his friends came and sat with him for seven days so great was his mourning it says in the Bible so they did the right thing but then they got it wrong and they started telling him that he must have been doing something wrong whereas he hadn't God was using Job's life an example for all of us of what to do and I'm sure that's where the Jews got the custom of sitting Shiva from and not speaking to them about what's going on but just speaking to them about what they want to speak about and this is what we need to do you know don't offer advice just be with with your friends in their suffering as Romans 12 says weep with those who weep the Jews used to think that suffering was a result of sin but it's not true sometimes suffering is just part of this world that we live in and your life is being shown as that example as we said before uh, as you you know fight through the suffering um, people that are suffering may not be doing anything wrong at all for example a murderer in jail who gives his life to Jesus is going to spend the rest of his life in jail and all the suffering that that entails uh, he's, he's, Jesus has paid the price for his sin but it doesn't change his circumstance uh, we've got people in war-torn countries people who've lost families people who are in um, a religious persecution they may never see an end of their suffering in their lifetime uh, Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation but I've overcome the world I don't see anything in there that says you will not have suffering only that he'll give you the strength to see it through well when we see broken people in the church let's stand with them in their brokenness and when it's so when it's your turn to be broken you know we hope that people will do the same for you so you know are you doing that for others if I could have the worship team up thanks guys so the conclusions where do we go from here well if you're suffering welcome to the human race we all do to some extent but we have hope so hang on to that hope with everything you've got keep putting one foot in front of the other when you're feeling low take the next step don't look at the journey just take the next step trust in Jesus take the next step <laughs> ask for help take the next step forget about appearances just take the next step our hope if in nothing else is in heaven as Paul said in Philippians to live is Christ to die is gain 
for those of us for those of us who have brothers and sisters that are suffering how do we treat them 1 Corinthians 12 sums it up the eye can't say to the hand I do not need you nor can the head say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary the parts of our body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts we consider less honourable we treat with greater honour and our unpresentable parts are treated with special modesty whereas our presentable parts have no such need so those going through hard times we should be lifting them up you know looking after them spending time with them praying for them treating them with special honour let's be true to our brothers and sisters to each other thanks guys let's pray Lord let's pray all these guys learn to be fighters and friends Lord help us to to get through endure when everything seems to be beyond themselves to just keep, keep taking that step forward and Lord may we also be that person who stands by those people who are suffering thank you for everything you've given us Lord we just can't thank you enough in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Steve. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Right now, Right now I'm losing pain. I stood on stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. Right now, oh right now I just can't. It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Well, I know you're able and I know you can Save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone It only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Good thing, a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be able to sing. It is well with my soul I know you're able and I know you can Save through the fire with your mighty hand But even if you don't My hope is you alone I know the sorrow and I know the hurt Would all go away if you just say the word even if you don't, my hope is you alone. You've been faithful, you've been good all my days.
Jesus, I will cling to you. Come what may, I know I know you can. Well, I know you're able, and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow, and I know the hurt would all go away. If you just say the word, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. My hope is you great week guys go be fighters thank you